This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. What's up, Paddle and Finn listeners? This is your host, Brian, from the OG Show. Just wanted to make you guys aware of Jackson Orr's second annual catch and release charity tournament. Uh, that's K A T C H, kayak anglers together can help. This takes place September 13th, 14th, and 15th. It's an online event nationwide. Starts Friday at 6 a.m., goes till Sunday at 7 p.m. Entry fees $20. Tourney X has waived the fees. You can sign up on Tourney X. Doesn't matter if you're a good angler an experienced angler, new angler to the kayak fishing tournament world. So let's all get together and help Jackson out, get this organized. Your hosts at Paddle and Finn have all come together and we've decided any proceeds that we get from selling t-shirts, hoodies, long sleeves, things like that at the paddle, the letter N, and finn.com. Go to the store tab. You buy any stuff, we're going to take the proceeds from that donate it to the charity portion for Jackson's event. Um, That's something we wanted to do to help Jackson give back to some great organizations. So get signed up, guys. Jackson's trying to reach 100 anglers. I think it's an easy way for us to achieve, even if you can't fish it. It's 20 bucks, guys. Let's help out.
Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Paddle and Finn podcast. Uh, tonight, with, on the final cast, we have epic guest Duke Westcamp from Catch Boards. And we were planning on doing tonight the Hog Trough versus the Catch Board review. So um, we'll go ahead and kind of get started on that. Uh, we're going to make the review short and sweet because we have a lot of questions that we've been wanting to ask Duke about his company. And so um, I'll go ahead and go into the hog troughs. And um, I've got a couple here. Uh, Justin's going to review the catch board. He has his with him tonight. And so I'll just kind of go into it. My first one I bought uh, was this one. Um, everybody's familiar, especially if you fish tournaments with a hog trough. That was the first, for a long time, only board that was used. Um, the board at the time was the thing because it was pretty wide. It held your fish fairly easily. Um, the only kind of big downfall that everybody instantly noticed was that it was not lined. It was not visible. All these lines in here are the same color as the board when you buy it. Um, so if you're snapping pictures of a fish in a tournament, it wasn't feasible. You couldn't see what, what the measurements were. So it became a kind of a requirement, basically, that everybody had to line their boards, um, which you saw some interesting boards <laughs> that were lined. You know, uh, this one you can see in mine is uh, actually very dark. Um, I did mine the first time around. I tried to attempt to do it with a Sharpie, and I didn't have the patience nor the time to actually attempt to do that. Um, I ended up getting a, a paint marker, like an actual paint marker and you used it and it worked really well, but it made my lines really, really fat on the board. Um, because of that, um, you know, I talked to a couple tournament directors just when you get their in input, if it was a legal board and they said, yeah, it looks great. It's really easy to see, but your lines are so fat that you might possibly get deductions because of the paint slightly bleeding on both sides of those edges. Um, I never had like an issue that I ran that I measured a fish that close. But um, anyways, I ended up getting another one. So I got the fishing online version, which came with the dowel rods. I bought the dowel rod and the foam. Uh, helps make it float, made it more durable because my other one, I cracked it twice. Um, this one obviously though is, is new this year and it's already fading really, really badly. It's uh, and it, it look when I look at it up close, it, it doesn't look bad, but on camera it looks pretty horrible. So, um, you said that's you know, fishing online, right? Yeah, fishing online has okay. the ability where you, you can add those little features onto the board. Um, I think it upped the price like five or six bucks, maybe. So it wasn't horrible. You can get this little tourney tag also. It's like a bundle. Um, I like the tourney tag. It's a little on the small side for most of the tournaments, like. Um, you know, they're, everybody's kind of using almost the same size identifier at this point. Um, so this thing fits kind of really snug in there. It takes a lot to get it in there now because this plastic on that is warping or it's, it's just really flimsy. I've seen a lot of cool, um, identification, uh, identification tag, like type stuff that people have done. I think there's one called flip it pretty cool. Um, you know, but uh my overall judgment on this board it's not bad it's usable it works well 
Um, but its durability is seriously in question, in my opinion. Um, I've cracked the board. Uh, Justin was just telling me stories that he's heard people actually have fish flop on their boards and then snap. And so when you're in the middle of a tourney, the last thing you want to do is obviously break one of the most important you know, tools that you have out there on your kayak. So, Josh, do you know the weight of the hog trough? I have no idea. It's light, though. I mean, it, it, here's what kills me about this board, though, too, that I don't like is how light this thing is and the fact that it still doesn't float. So, um, you know, I own two of them for the sheer reason of its durability. I know, you know, I've, I tripped over it one time when it was on my uh, black pack in the brackets and I heard it crack. Luckily, it didn't crack all the way through. And then the other day when it was in the back of my truck, I slid some gear in there and it came off my seat and landed on it when I was driving and I heard it pop again. So eventually that, that one that I first got, this one doesn't have the dowel rods or anything. I think I bought it at Cabela's or something weird like that. But, um, it, uh, it's got a crack on both sides, like right here on the edge. And, um, it's, uh, it'll probably eventually go if I keep abusing it. This one I kind of use when I'm fun fishing. The other one with the dowel rods is what I take for tournament. So, overall, it's – go ahead. Uh, sorry, I uh, didn't mean to cut you off. Um, right. So, the, the retail price on the hog trough was originally like $16.99, right? Yeah. And you, I said, I... you said with the additional features, it's like an extra five or six bucks. Yeah, so, it might have been a little bit more. I think I got mine for maybe $19.99 originally the first time around. And I think the final cost of the fishing online was like 25 maybe 26 bucks. I want to say. I, I can't remember quite offhand. So, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anything bad, you know. It's, I, uh, I just always remember thinking that the original Hulk Trough was a little pricey even at $16.99. Yeah, I mean, for what it is. I, I would say yeah. so for the sheer fact that it doesn't float and you have to add stuff to it, you know, yeah. a lot of people, it's kind of weird is I think the whole idea that came about with the dowel rods and the foam was actually somebody's do it yourself idea. And I think fishing online kind of decided capitalize on that and, you know, say, Hey, let's just, let's build these boards and charge, you know, extra six seven dollars whatever five six seven dollars what it is you know that's and essentially all that they did was they just put some diy stuff on it yeah themselves. it's like, so they probably hired an intern to just say you know highlight <laughs> you know take a marker and you, you just go ahead and you know <laughs> yeah this, this is popular you know i wonder if that's the first year they were doing that uh, actually making it black for you yeah i have no idea all it is literally though there's two dowel rods in here i don't know if you guys can see them it's yeah. on both sides and yeah, they're just wooden dowel rods, and they're maybe half inch thick, if that. And I think the foam is actually laid down first, and then the dowel rod is pressed on top of it. Gotcha. And so, because I was expecting to see like the foam over the dowel rod in a sense, but this looks much cleaner. I mean, that looks a lot better than the foam being sticking out on the outside. I thought I'd have to trim it. You know, I thought it'd be all right. sloppy and. Um, but my overall viewpoint on the, the hog trough, it works. It's useful. Um, it is high maintenance, though, and it's not durable. You know, for, and for the price point that it's at, I, it, in the lightweight, it, you would think that it would float, 
you know, but it doesn't. So it kind of kills me. I mean, this thing's light, you know, compared to the catch board, it's, you know, completely lighter, but it seriously, seriously lacks in durability in the sheer fact that you got to reline this thing. Probably, I, I know some guys do it like once, but if, if you're catching a lot of fish and you're fishing, especially like rivers where you're getting it really dirty, like that's what I think is causing a lot of that lining to come off is like the sand from, you know, from it being in the, in the bottom of my boat. Cause I tuck mine up underneath my seat. So, and especially if I'm fishing rivers, my boots and stuff are often muddy and it's just getting on the board and it's just a mess, but yeah, I've actually so, never broken one myself, um, but I have broken a friend's. Um, so I, I've owned two of them. One of them I, I won from a, like a tournament raffle, and I ended up just selling it. Yeah. Uh, but the one that I did have, I babied it for, for as long. I still have it in the garage, actually. Um, so, yeah, I, I can say that I didn't break my own. Um, there were several times where uh, it, was, it was pretty – pretty close to breaking it but uh as soon as i found out yeah. about this catch board it was answered all of my prayers <laughs> lots of improvements here uh yeah <laughs> so, let's see everything about this is is, is an upgrade i mean it's, it's it's heavier uh duke do you know the the weight on this i tried to look on your website to find the actual weight of it yeah it's the the board itself is about 2.4 pounds and it's about three and a half pounds on the money with the cradle and the 26 inch version the 32 is about four to six ounces heavier okay um so uh, what i like about this board is they trimmed off what four or five inches the other one goes up to 30 correct 32 32 yeah, yeah. so I, I like the fact that uh, especially here in Ohio, we're hardly ever going to catch a fish that goes past that uh, 18 or 19 inch mark. Every once in a while, every every once in a while, you'll you'll see that. But uh, I would say anything past 24. So I, I like where it's cut off. It's cut off at the 26 inch mark. You guys do have some that go up to 60 inches, correct? Yep. Yeah, we do. I mean, we started actually with a musky product way before we were doing anything for. Uh kayak bass fishing we were doing walleye boards at 32 inches and then uh musky boards that were 60 inch folding we're actually redesigning that whole line right now so if you go to our website looking for them they're not there but the new product's going to be available in about six weeks gotcha gotcha yeah so i like that it cuts off at 26 uh the weight has never been a problem for me um it's it'll if you if you measure your fish on your lap um, it's not going to slide off your lap. You're not at risk of it uh, falling off or a, a fish flopping and kicking it off your lap. Um, I, I have, from what I have heard about uh, reviews from people, the only two things that um, people had a problem with, and again, I don't have a problem with this. I think it's a perfect product all around, uh, is the numbers with them being directly down the middle. Uh, you just got to watch where you put your uh, – identifier if yeah. you're slide, sliding it on the board which again it's just something you got to be aware of just like everything you can't have a perfect product uh just kind of watch that you don't slide it right up to the tail because i have submitted a fish before um and you get dq'd for that and i have some uh, heard some people having problems with the weight but again the weight i feel is is dead on if anything if there's any improvements later down the road or whatever um you know, maybe, maybe that is an option, but uh, again, I, I don't think it's too too big of a deal. I slide it right underneath the front of my QC HD and the and the bungee cords, 
and I know it's going to stay there. And the fact that it comes with a tether, the options of whatever color you have, you know, there's orange, there's purple, there's green. Um, I think there's a red. You guys now have an American American flag edition. Parts of the board are red, white, yeah. and blue. Uh, and you can get a tether to match all that. So um, there's, there's, there's no problems as far as, as losing this board as long as you keep it tethered up. Uh, there's also the option to get engravings. I've got my Instagram name here, which I kind of messed up on. That's my fault. Uh, <laughs> but uh, see, going back to the logos, um, you can have – there's three options. I think you can get the inside of the bump engraved. You can get the top of the bump engraved. Is that correct? Is that what it's called? Yeah, you can get the so yeah, we call it top of fence, back of fence, and front of fence. So front okay. is facing the ruler and back is the where you have Jay Marsh fishing right now. Okay. Gotcha. Uh but yeah, overall thumbs up compared to I think it answers all of the, the problems that the original hog trough had. It's it's hella durable. I mean you could you could throw this thing out a window and drag it while you're going down the road and pull it in and I guarantee you it would all still be there. Um it's American made, which we all know how that goes. If uh, that means anything to you, uh, pretty straightforward, and uh, yeah, I just give it a thumbs up. And, Me too. And if you if, <laughs> if you uh, <clears throat> if you've owned an original hog trough, and you've broken one or two of them, with how the price keeps going up, like Josh covered, you know, you pay for three of them, you pretty much have one of these boards paid for. Yeah. So, yeah. There's options yeah, to customize. So. It's uh, seriously easy to break one of these. I know a lot of guys, they literally stock, you know, especially if they're at tournaments, if they're tournament directors, they have like 10 of these in their trucks because of how bad the durability issue is with them. So, you know, um, it's, uh, it's clear cut that the catch board is a much, much better product than what the hog trough is. But, you know, I mean, this works, you know, this works, but if you're, you think that the catch board isn't in your budget, I guarantee after a couple seasons, like you said, you're going to end up wanting one because you've probably spent more money on a few hog troughs that you've had to replace than if you could have just originally bought a catch board. So, you know, um, it's, uh, and, and the sheer fact, the fact that you guys have the lining, it's already on there. It's done. It doesn't need to be maintained. You know, I mean, with, with the way our, our world works today, time is money, you know. And for yeah. me to sit there with a Sharpie and sit there and try to make – I've seen people's attempts. They'll get online and go, check out my hog trough. And you're like, did you do that with your eyes closed? You know, get the old chisel tip job in there that's yeah. like like you have with the real wide lines and the yeah. I mean that a lot of uh, a lot of what the product boiled down to was what uh, was to get rid of some of those inconsistencies. So there's there's initial manufacturing inconsistency in any injection molded product. So uh, if you, if we I have a hog trough myself in 2017 I fished with a hog trough on my local series because I catch wasn't legal. Uh, but if I measured my hog trough using our, our equipment over here and, and, and both of yours, if you, you, you know, you said you guys got, you, you both have some sitting around the house somewhere, right? Yeah. None of them will be the same. And then you add the further inaccuracy of the, of, of allowing the user to actually draw the increment lines on it. And 
you, you get this compounding, you get these compounding errors. And I mean, a lot of these events, you know, you guys can attest to it. If you fish tournaments, a lot of the times it's a quarter of an inch at the end of the day, a half inch at the end of the day. And so if you're getting a 16th of an inch advantage over one of your competitors, that's a mile, you know, in a, in a, yeah. in a, in a bass tournament. And people say, well, it's, it's, it's by a quarter inch, right. You know, but the tr truth is if, if my board measures about a 16th inch short, so I'm getting a 16th inch and one of you guys is losing a 16th inch, that's almost a half an increment right there. And that was, that was what we thought would sell the bump boards was the, the accuracy. You know, I, I'm a machinist. So the only way I knew how to do it was to just make it as accurate as we possibly could. Um, so we're plus or minus 10, we're plus or minus five thousandths of an inch on every increment line. It's it, the truth is that that catch board you're holding in your hands is probably the most accurate measurement device you have in your house right now, unless you have a machinist scale. Um, you know, it, it's more accurate than a tape measure, any sort of ruler. Um, it, it, we, we really took an engineering, you know, kind of perspective on it, but really, I mean, as it turns out, as you guys have pointed out, you know, the, the reason it really sells is just people are sick of breaking the plastic boards. That's yeah. been the primary driver for sales for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that your guys's product, man, I'm, I'm in, I work in the steel industry. So when I saw that board come out, I was pretty excited. I haven't even been able to get one yet. Um, you know, it's probably some purchase I'm going to make over the winter time. Uh, but I was excited to see what you guys did because just from sitting, like when I said sitting down and trying to line one of these things, I'm like, it's just, it's time consuming. It's inconsistent, just like you touched on, you know, like not only are the boards, the measurements bad, but when you start adding people to the sheer fact that they're taking Sharpies and drawing these lines themselves, and you touched on something else that we all saw stories of, which is people cheating. These boards can be easily cut and oh, yeah. glued back together. Yep. And I think your boards eliminate that. You know, I'm sure somebody out there, you can cut that board and try to cheat, but it is going to be some work. And I think it would be fairly easy to identify that, especially for the fact that it's colored, you know, yeah. um, you know, I would think you'd be able to see the cut marks that would show up real easy on this. It wouldn't, you know, in my opinion, cause it's, it's through and through it's that same color with injection molding plastic like that. So and that, uh, or go, ahead, go ahead. And that was, and that was the concept behind, obviously. Uh, I mean, I think eight inches is the shortest fish. Most of even the, the local clubs will take. And the, you notice ours starts at one inch and that all goes back to the Andrew Shepard thing way years and years ago where he, shorten the you know the the hog trough in the section that wasn't numbered and that why that's why it was so hard to to catch him because he had no frame of reference you weren't able to say oh why the hell is it you know does it go from you know 14 inches to 16 inches what happened to the 15 increment you know it's right. got that unnumbered area which kind of le leaves you with this no man's land of uh you know to kind of tinker and i mean we've done everything to make our product is cheat proof as possible. But I mean, the, the, the bottom line is if I can make it, there's nothing inherently special about me, right? I'm a machinist that figured out how to build this product. You know, if I can build it, someone else can build it. But let me just tell you that like all the time and effort that went into actually designing and, and, and figuring out how to build the product the way it is today, it would be really, really difficult to either remanufacture an existing product. In my opinion, it would actually be easier to cheat by manu by totally remanufacturing one from the from the get go. Modifying an existing one would be 
uh, to, to mend the powder coat and everything. It's just, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb at you if you go and try to manipulate it. All right. Gotcha. Okay. You want to, Duke, would you like to go in? Well, Justin, did you want to finish uh, reviewing over anything else you wanted added that you liked? Uh, no, ultimately that, I mean, think, I think we touched on every single thing that, uh, that there is to touch on here. Um, I, the only, only problem I see with, uh, marketing it to a crowd that might be difficult are the people that are on a tight budget for fishing. I think what you guys have done here, uh, with the big boom in the kayak fishing industry, uh, was kind of just nailing on the head because I, I imagine you guys are just can't keep up with all the work. But uh, <laughs> basically, yeah, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of guys out there who will want to go big or go home, as we see with buying kayaks, buying reels, whatever the case may be. Um, those guys are probably eating this up. But the only only problem I can see uh, with with marketing to certain people is that low budget uh, people just starting out. So, yeah. And, and the, the honest truth is. For a lot of you know local clubs, smaller tournament series, you know events that have less than fifteen or twenty guys. I mean, it's all about involvement, and, and it doesn't matter. You can use use a hog trough, get people you know get people into the sport. That ultimately is the is the goal. Um, and and but what you see with any guy, any of these anglers as they get more serious, you touched on it. You're, you're seeing the the market move upstream. Maybe a lot of guys that were attracted to this sport because hey, I can't afford an eighty thousand dollar bass boat. But I can get a $800 kayak and, and get my equipment on it. You see these guys moving upstream. You see them buying 200 and $250 rods and reels. It's not just the bass guy, you know, the bass boat guys that are, you know, buying the expensive tackle anymore. You're seeing trolling motors and power poles. And, you know, I see the Jackson hat. So you're, you know, you're aware of the blue sky and the Hobies. And like, I mean, it's just, it's the whole kind of thing moves up market. And I agree, it's probably not. If you're just doing your first tournament series, like get a hog trough and try it out before you go drop sixty bucks on a on a bump board because you never know. You might just hate tournament fishing. Yeah, it, it might not be your thing, you know. So don't. You know, th- but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the the hog trough certainly still has its 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 time and place, you know. I think, but I, I think you're gonna see some of the more serious trails move over to to catch only in the near in the near future just because of the consistency, consistent line width. Uh, you know, and, and the product's just dead on consistent. So you, you're, there's not really any questioning. Did someone manipulate this? Did someone, uh, you know, did, 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 is someone cheating? Is there foul play? I think it takes like as many of those questions as you can out of the equation. Yeah, right on. Uh, well, I know we would like to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, and speaking of the whole kayak fishing thing, um, maybe you can go over if you fish out of a kayak. Uh, and what your favorite type of fishing is, um, Josh? What what other question were we going to throw in there? We want to know what kind of fishing you like. If you yeah, fish what, out of what, a kayak, and what you do fish out of, and I I will wade. I will kayak fish. I fish out of a canoe. I've got a drift boat, and I've got a bass boat. So okay. uh, I will fish out of anything that I can fish out of. Uh, now, to give you some idea, I've got zero hours on my Merc this year, and I've got about 150 days on the water in, you know, various. I, I'm not a pro staff for anybody. I've got a, 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 a like a fleet of 
randomness uh, that I kind of use depending on the on the situation. But I'm mostly a kayak angler. Um, I'd say I, I probably weighed more than I than I've been. On, well, I know I weighed more than I've been on the boat this year anyway. Um, and as far as, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't like nail me down to a species. I, I'd say I'm about as a true of a multi-species angler as, as there is. Um, as you know, musky, musky is probably where my heart's at. If I, if I could catch any fish every day, it would be, it would be musky or it'd be, you know, trout in, in, in the streams. Uh, but you know, I, 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 obviously I bass fish, I walleye fish, I pike fish, I catfish, I car the guys in the back of the shop got me started carp fishing like a year and a half ago. Um, you know, so I, I, I'll fish pan fish and crappie with my wife and my son, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really all over the place with, with regards to, you know, my fishing habits. Are you doing any tournaments? Um, I tried to do, I mean, I used to, I used to do some tournaments or rather, uh, make my, uh, donation, um, over at, uh, at, with, with KBL, uh, Brian Schiller's now fishing that, that series. Yeah. Um, I've been with them. So I started in 2017 and I just, I did the series really because I, we had been making the walleye bump boards and the musky bump boards. And I found out about, I'd been kayak fishing for quite some time at that point, but I just, I wasn't even aware that there was a competitive, uh, arena for it. I, I just, I just assumed there wasn't, you didn't have a live well, you couldn't weigh fish. Um, and then I kind of found out they were using a bump board to, to measure, and we were already building a bump board at the, at the time. So I was like, all right, all right, you know, we have an accurate bump board. Maybe, you know, maybe I can sell this to, to, to the, to the bass anglers. And, you know, I fished some bass before that, but it wasn't the purpose of me to being competitive. Wasn't really about, um, it, it wasn't about, uh, like winning a tournament. It was more about like learning the process, meeting some of the anglers, like seeing what the culture w was about. And, you know, I, I ended up picking a great local club. Uh, shout out to the KBL that, you know, Alan Weidmeyer and all the guys run a, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic league. And, and, you know, you get humbled really quick because I, I consider myself a pretty good stick. And, you know, I'm not even one of the top 10 guys you're worried about. I mean, I, I've actually got a bunch of running skunks in KBL right now because I'm easily, easily distracted on tournament day. But I'm certainly not one of the guys you're worried about, you know, and, and there's there's just a lot of fantastic anglers over there. And, and you know, I got hooked on the. I got hooked on the, the community really was what was, you know, was the, is the reason I still do tournaments. Like I said, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll register for the, you know, the Newton open at KBL this year. And I know that I'm just going to go fish white bass all day. I'm just kind of contributing and going out there and just, you know, we're, we're, we're just, I'm just having fun. It's like, they're, they're my friends now. Those are my fishing buddies. And, and it's, it's good to, you know, I, I fully believe that, the sport starts at that regional level. It starts with strong club foundations locally and everyone's kind of concentrated on, well, FLW and KBF and the Hobie Bass Open Series. And, you know, there's been rumblings that, you know, BASS or MLF might be rolling out something that's that's going to be, you know, that, that's going to be a kayak or CPR type league. There's, I mean, we've heard those rumors for a while, but we always talk about what goes on at the top end of the sport, but it's really what's happening in the, at the local clubs. That is the, that's where the growth is. You know, that's what, that's what makes this sport grow. It's not, it, it's guys graduating from those clubs up to a national trail, which is kind of now making some of the national clubs grow, but it doesn't start. It starts with the, with the local clubs for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and what, what state are you out of? 
I'm in Northern Illinois, so I'm about 30 minutes northwest of Chicago. Okay, and you mentioned uh, musky fishing. Recently, you had a picture of, I'm not sure if it was your personal best or just a just another monster muskie that you've caught. Can you elaborate on that for us a little bit? Yeah, that was, I mean, that is my, that's my personal best muskie in a kayak. And it's also okay. my personal best muskie in, in state. It's, it's far from my best muskie, uh, you know, lifetime. If I've, I've caught, uh, you know, I've caught them up to 49 and a half out of the, out of a boat and I've got a couple pike over 50 inches. Um, wow. So I've, I've, I've been, but I've been doing this since I, I've been fishing pike and muskie probably longer than anything since I was like seven or eight years old. You know, we've been wow. traveling to Minnesota, Canada, you know, God bless my father for doing that. Cause he wasn't an angler. I was just, I, I just had the itch. I don't, I don't know how I got into the sport really. You know, it just, it kind of happened. And, you know, I was, then I was dragging dad around all over the place, but <laughs> that one was 45 and three quarters. Um, I, I caught it. Uh, I was teaching my wife how to troll out of the Hobie of all things. Uh, there's a good, uh, crappie and walleye, uh, bite. It's, it's a really finicky bite, but I figured it out a, a, a number of years ago. And so, you know, she likes eating crappie and, and, and she's been wanting to try walleye. So I figured, you know, whatever, we'll go, we'll go drag some baits around and see what we can make happen. Um, so I, I got that. I, I wasn't fishing for musky, got him on six pound floral carbon and a medium, bass rod so wow I, I always tell people if you want to catch more musky fish like a walleye fisherman <laughs> they, they catch more they, they catch more damn musky than the musky guys it's it's the truth here's uh here's the big question did you measure measure that fish with a catch board i did yes i did we have a new uh we have a new folding 48 inch product that i've, I've got one of our i've got a couple people testing it right now it's it, it should be on the website actually i have finished units in stock and and it should be on the website by next week Nice. Uh, but uh, we also provide the bump boards for the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, the conservation police, the game wardens. Um, and so that was actually the 50 inch model that we that we made for them. So I, I, I did. I, I bumped it and got an I got an accurate bump. My business partner, who's a big musky <laughs> fisherman, was so salty because he 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 he, uh, he he didn't manage to get one in a tournament the weekend before. And I was spamming him pictures the other night. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Duke, I wanted to ask you some questions, actually, in regards to the manufacturing process of your boards. Sure. Um, like I said before, I'm a, I am work for a steel company, so I had a lot of interest. I used to actually work for one that supplied, you know, products like aluminum and copper and everything. So um, I want you to kind of go into detail, kind of what it, what it takes to make the bump board, man. You, want, you can get as detailed as you want, you know, what kind of aluminum you're using, you know, what it takes, what your machining processes are. You know, um, like I said, it's, I think, I think when people have an understanding of what it takes to make the product that you guys sell, in my eyes, that's what sells me on what the price of one of those is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we talked about before, this, in my opinion, doesn't take much to manufacturing, but when you are etching lines into steel or aluminum, that's some precision work and that's some high quality machines. You know, just from my background, I kind of know a little bit about that, but I'd like for you to elaborate a little bit and tell us what goes on, you know, to make these boards. Sure. We get, you know, about every month we, we get about 10,000 pounds of three inch by quarter inch 6061 aluminum bar stock. That So it all actually happens in our, 
everything except the powder coat actually happens all in our facility. Um, it, it basically goes into a, a, a big horizontal saw and we, we chop blanks. Uh, and then there's a there's a uh, an op one machining process that that puts the holes in the tether hole and, and actually cuts the board to length, uh, at which point it's sent out to powder coat. And then when it returns, there's an op two machining process which locates the fence square to the face. So we actually put the dowel pins, uh, we put the dowel pin holes in after uh, after we get it back from powder because you you're going to change your point of registration. Um, once the powder coats there, so the only way to really keep it accurate, uh, keep your zero mark accurate, is is to is to put the or put the the dowel pins in uh, after the after the coatings on. Um, uh, after we do the op two machining process, where all we do really there is cut the pocket for the the QR code and the serial code that's right next to the fence, uh, and then put the dowel pin holes in it. Uh, we move it over to a, a hundred watt fiber laser and. From there, it, the the machine etches the all the all the engraving on it. We used to actually use a ball end mill and CNC machine all of them. Um, that was like that was a nightmare. Uh, when we were doing it at, at when we were doing it that way, we were we were really undercharging for the the product to just to kind of get it out there. We we kind of always had our eyes on a laser system, but we just really wanted to know that we had the orders to justify you know, $150,000 piece of equipment right. before we, before we went out and bought it. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, after it's, after it's laser engraved, it's a really simple, it's a really simple, uh, uh you know, building process. We actually, we tune all the cradles now, so they fit tightly or if they, they all fit uniformly on the boards. Now we didn't used to do that. Some of you guys that have had them from like way back since 2018 when they were just first approved we used to use electrical tape to kind of take that gap up a little bit we got a little more sophisticated and built some tooling to tune all the the, the cradles into each board um, we install the fence on it and and clean it up bag it up and, and ship it out to you and and as of right now we, we we don't even really sell through dealers there's a couple of dealers that i've been experimenting with uh westbrook is one of them jay diz fishing in central illinois is another one of them but We've been just trying to get a dealer program together because the paddle sports community loves the loves the product, and uh, there's a lot of paddle sports uh, stores and a lot of of, of retail specialty shops like uh, tackle stores that that wanna that wanna carry the product. But up until now, I mean, we've just been selling them almost as fast as we can make them. It, it, it's just really been since June of this year that we've actually had an opportunity to start building inventory. So, yeah. That's been the biggest struggle, and I, I mean, we have almost ten guys between the full-time and part-time guys. So we're we're a small company, but we're like we're we're quickly transitioning into like more of a medium-sized company over here. And you know, I have all the you know I've dealt with all the growing pains, but it's it, it's it's fun, man. I I have a ton of fun in this industry. I have a ton of fun doing this. I still don't really pay myself, so I have to do some hours as an engineering consultant still, um, but. I can't complain. Life is good. Yeah. Yeah, hey man. Um, I remember I, I went to actually originally get a, a catchboard, I think, at the beginning of the season. And I think I was like, oh, and I was rushing out because I, had, I hadn't even really decided if I was into doing any tournaments at the time. And I decided, yeah, I want to. And then I jumped online and I'm like, I'm going to get a catchboard. Next week's tournament, I think I can 
I'll pay the extra shipping, have it sent out. And then I found out there was this pretty long waiting period. And I was like, they must be doing things right over there, man. Because uh, so I think it, I think at the time there was a back order for what I was trying to get. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I ended up getting one of the hog troughs, but um, you know, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, the success in that, you know, um, you said you guys had started out originally making them, uh, like just the bigger ones, right? You, was it for yeah. musky fishing? And, it, well, um, yeah, I mean, my, my, my partner was a, my business partner. So I have t- actually have two business partners. Um, the, the one is a big musky angler and you'll never hear me say this to him, but he's probably one of the best musky sticks in Illinois. We fished in tournaments together. Uh, so he, he was more into the tournament scene than, than I was. And, and that was just where we were plugged in. We did some walleye stuff. We did some musky stuff. I never did it very seriously. He's always been the more serious tournament angler. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, 100% started with the musky product and then the walleye product. And it wasn't until I became aware of CPR. I mean, we didn't even have a website. Uh, I mean, yeah. we, we, we did it. It was all just word of mouth. You know, I mean, you know how the fishing scene is. You, you, you eventually you kind of just know everybody and everyone just knows, oh, hey, that's that's Duke or Eric. Those are the bump board guys. Go talk to them about a bump board. You know, so we never until we got into kayak bass and I just I didn't really have any contacts and I was just kind of trying to figure everything out. You know, that was when we finally built a website and started a Facebook page. But it was all the longer product before that. What uh, yeah. what, what year was that that you were doing the? the musky stuff when did that all start 2000 it started like in 2015 with some anodized stuff that we didn't really like and and then in 2000 uh 2016 was when we were actually selling some some product okay and it was it was teeny tiny like i'm talking like maybe 60 to 100 units like a month like just a hobby business at that point we started the business as avid anglers like we were just looking for an excuse to our wives to go out of town and go fishing so you know i gotta go do this competition it's a marketing thing baby i I gotta go you know so that i mean it didn't we didn't really think it had a ton of potential it was just we we were dumb enough to make a couple bump boards for ourselves and then people saw them and then it kind of turned into a business and we said oh yeah well let's you know we'll, 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 we can use this as an excuse to our wives and i i never in the world i never anticipated that i'd be sitting here on a podcast talking about how i make bump boards for a living yeah. <laughs> that's cool so did you want to talk about what kind of set it off for you guys? Um, we were we kind of touched on before the show, you know, when uh, that came became KBF approved, you know, uh, making bump boards kind of exploded. You guys came onto the scene, and you came on the scene in a, like in a serious way, you know. I you you guys formed a, a team, you know. You guys got some guys that you sponsor, you know, some really good guys too, like not just as good anglers, but you know, good representatives for your company. Did you want to talk about how, uh, how that boom occurred and kind of like how you got approached by KBF? Yeah. I didn't know who Chad Hoover even was. Um, I approached my local, uh, tournament, you know, KBL is a KBF affiliate. And so I approached Alan Weidmeyer and I said, Hey, I got this product. It's, it's better than the hog trough. It's more accurate. And you know, we, we'd really love for to, to use the KBL as a test bed. You know, can, can you approve this? And if guys are interested, whatever. If they're not interested, just let them use the hog trough. And I didn't know Alan as well at that time. And he was like, oh, well, you got, no, no, no. You got to, if anything, 
everything just goes through KBF and you got to talk to this guy, Chad Hoover. And, uh, and so I just, I went about trying to get a hold of Chad through KBF through, you know, I'd, I'd gotten a, an email address for him from Alan. Um, and then ultimately I sent a, I, I just sent an, in, an email to info at KBF.com and told them about my product and left my phone number. And like 15 minutes later, Chad was on the phone talking with me about it. Um, and, and I kind of told him what my concept was and, 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 you know, what the product looked like and, you know, showed him some pictures. And, and eventually I sent him one of our original prototypes because we had 3D printed cradles that were, they cost me like a thousand dollars to print these damn things when we were testing. So we didn't even actually have a production product. So I sent him up one of the, one of the prototype units. He unboxed it, looked at it and he called me. He's like, dude, it's done. He's like, this is going to be legal. He's like, this is, he's like, this is awesome. He's like, this is, we needed this for so long. And, you know, he had told me even about, you know, Hey, Luther was trying to, to, to figure out a bump board. And, you know, he's like, I even asked him and he said, man, this is a great idea. He's like, he's like, you're on to something here. He's like, you gotta, he's like, make me, make me like 13 of them for the national or for the, uh, for the 10 in Florida. Um, he's like, and make sure you got like five or 600 of them and come down to the national championship and sell them at the national championship. And yeah, that, that event, the 10, he put a picture on his Facebook page of the boards we built for the 10 and our, our website had only been up for, I think a day or two. And then when that post went live, our inventory was gone like overnight. Um, it was, and then for the, for the first year, it was always, it was always a weight. If you wanted a certain color, a certain length or, you know, it was just, it was always a weight because we were just playing catch up, catch up, catch up. It was, it was hard to, go out and throw a lot of capital into the business, not knowing what the potential was. And, you know, and I, and I halfway thought, Oh, this guy's crazy. You know, you're going to sell 500 bump boards at a national championship. I'm like, there's only 700, you know, some odd anglers there. And we sold out at the national championship. So I brought like, I was, it was a little over 500 boards and we were basically sold out. There were a few blackboards left because that's always been kind of the unfavorable color amongst the kayak community. But all the color boards actually sold out, um, you know, during the event. And, and that was that was kind of the seminal moment where I started taking this real, real serious. At, at, the, at, at, the, at that point, I was up to that point. I was still kind of like, oh, this is a fad and everyone just likes a new product because it's something new and different than the than the same old, you know, the status quo, so to speak. Um, but when I, when we sold 500 of them at, at the NC, I was like, okay, all right, time to start treating this like a real business. And, and more or less since then, I've been doing this, like I said, full time. I still do a little consulting just to keep the lights on basically. Um, but, the I've been full time since, you know, March or April of last year. Yeah. Gotcha. You guys plan on expanding, uh, the, the options for colors on those boards? Uh, we'll, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing, which is, you know, we have the four, uh, you know, we have five kind of standard colors in each size. Um, and those will continue to be the standard colors. And then the, we'll, we'll offer, so the, all the, the custom colors that we offer, uh, those are all tied to charitables. So when we, when we did the pink board, um, you know, the, the, the pink board is going to be tied to, is, is tied to a, a breast cancer charity. Um, the America board, I actually have Corey Dreyer and Denny Ramiro are both on our, on our pro staff. They're both combat veterans. Um, and they're kind of heading, 
heading up the charge with the team to, to sponsor a really cool uh, veterans event. We might actually throw it. I don't know. It depends on how much work those guys are up for. Um, yeah. You know, so we, and, and then the purple board, I, I, we still haven't actually, we haven't decided that was the board that we released right around the national championship, but we take $10 of proceeds from each, uh, each board. And it's, there's about 150 in each batch, give or take. Cause I, I have some scrap, you know, I don't always get 150 out of, out of an order, but you know, we generate $1,500 for a charitable every time we go through one of those batches of, of, of custom colors. And, you know, we got so many requests for it. It's hard to do it custom one off for everybody, but we figured, you know, we can kind of cycle through colors, give everybody a chance to get what they want. And we can also support a, you know, we can support a good cause because I've been fortunate to have been successful in, in some of my business endeavors, you know, uh, so more than anything, like being ethically conscious and being a, a positive contributor to the community. That's super important. I'm one of the people that's not really, it's not lip service. You know, I'm not, that's not bullshit for me. I just, that's just the way I feel about it. Um, you know, I, if we can't do it right, it's not worth doing. Right. You know, and that's, that's something you touched on a little bit that, you know, the more and more I've gotten involved this year with the kayak community, because before, before this year, I was literally just fishing with my buddies. You know what I mean? We're fishing, take a couple pictures here and there. Might post a little something on Facebook or one of the local forums. And this year, I kind of dove into the tournament scene. And I'm not even a very good lake guy. You know, most of these tournaments occur in lakes. But what I really got a taste of is the community that you talk about, you know. And it's just by meeting people like the Paddle and Finn guys. And just actually kind of getting more involved on the social media stuff, starting to follow a whole lot of anglers, man. And, you know, um, like the Westbrook story from the kid with the that got the kayak, you know, the, the, and your story that you're talking about for, you know, those proceeds going to build, you know, money for things that, you know, a lot of people kind of push to the wayside nowadays. And it's kind of cool to see us as a community that people kind of care and we're all trying to take care of one another. You know, it's just, there's a lot of hobbies out there that people can kind of get into that don't, don't take that as seriously as a lot of the companies I see that are, have entered the kayak fishing market that they do. And it's impressive, man. And I commend you guys as a company for doing that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so I got a question here. You may or may not want to answer it, um, but I'm curious as to because you said there were some improvements that were made from on the board from 2015. You know, just in a short time period, do you have any uh, improvements that you'll be making to the boards for next fishing season? Um, to be honest, probably not. Um, there is. We are talking about doing a custom extrusion instead of the bar stock um, because we're, we're, we're doing such a volume now that it, it starts making sense. On a manu from a manufacturing perspective, it actually makes it cheaper because I'd be using less aluminum. Um, on, on your end as a, as a, as a user or consumer, uh, it actually fixes one of the problems, which is it makes it lighter. You know, So we would, we would extrude a, a, a product that have, would have some like cavities in it essentially, um, which would not cheapen the build quality, but lighten the amount of aluminum. Um, okay. Other than that, you know, the, the, as far as the, the, the kind of standard three inch wide bump board product, which is the, the bump board that most everybody's familiar with, um, you know, we'll, we'll make changes as, as we need to, but I'm hesitant to start 
to to change it too much there because it's always it, you're always fighting to serve different masters you know and it's it, it was you know when when the lines were if you if you've seen any of the old bump boards the lines used to be or the numbers used to be all along the top edge and then the lines were didn't go all the way out to the edges and then at that point the big complaint was well the lines aren't long enough so you know i can't measure when the fish's tail is you know really forked i can't measure my fish right and so i actually i agreed with that i thought yeah there's no reason not to run the numbers down the center and run the line to the edge because most of the time the tails all the way out towards the edge right near the cradle it made more sense but then you know sure enough we change it and there's you know, guys that ask me, Hey, can I get one of the old style boards with the old engraving? I don't like it with the numbers in the center. My, my TD you know, disqualified me because I covered up the, you know, I put the tourney tag over the, over the number and he couldn't tell how long it was. So, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant now that we've kind of got a standard design that m most people are, are familiar with. And now, like you said, you, you get the one fish DQ'd because you slide the tourney tag up a little bit too much. And it's the last time you'll make the mistake. You know, right, it's just right. it's a it's a it's a crummy lesson to learn, you know, especially <laughs> if it's in like a live tournament and it's a great fish. It's a it's it's a it's you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, but you, it's it's a mistake that you really only make once. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys thought about um, like partnering up with anybody or have you uh as far as like identification tags like a way to attach to for to sure the to your boards yeah actually jim strunk who's uh, who does the uh flip it tournament identifier um he's one of our uh our pro team guys um and i've been working with him I've just been too inundated with work to really turn it into a, a new skew, but that the flip it identifier in, in almost the same design that it is, it, it'll be a little cleaner and a little more refined than, than the version that he's selling now a little bit, a, a little bit of a cleaner production look, but uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be that we will have that uh, available for, for sale. Uh, and, and I'm hoping by the beginning of next year, um, yeah. if I, I'm really hoping for like a month or two, but I'm just, I've been, disappointed with the amount of time i've had to apply to projects like that so i'm just being a realist probably by the beginning yeah. of 2020. Very uh, cool. have you ever thought about uh, any accessories for the for the board such as a bracket yeah we have that 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 actually should be available in eight uh, in eight weeks okay. um yeah denny ramiro uh, good friend of mine uh, and also a business partner of mine, uh, he did a design that, you know, some people have seen, he used to sell them, but they were, they were 3d printed, but it was a catchboard bracket that he designed. And, and I took most of the basic design concept and, and changed it just a little bit. Um, but yeah, he helped, he helped me with that. And there will be a board holder available in six to eight weeks is, is about the time frame. The, the, the oh, tools nice. being built, I just haven't, I haven't had a chance to, or they haven't had a chance to start it because we're actually getting we moved to a bigger extruder for the for the new board and then the and the three inch product that we're already selling we just you know bought new molds and and, we're, and like that's kind of like back burner i need the three inch and the five inch cradles before i need the 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 holder but the holder will be available really really soon okay gotcha uh, i want to know a little bit more about uh your ability to put logos on the boards i know you can make some pretty intricate logos like mm -hmm. I, I know brian I, I think you you 
you talked to Brian and you put the Paddle and Finn logo on yep. his board, correct? Uh, yes, and I sir. remember him uh, saying something about you wanting to know how how complex it was and what is your limitation to it? Uh, could you do a logo, say, like what's on Josh's shirt right now? It's a Yak Attack logo. Oh, yeah, yeah. No problem. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the big problem, it gets to be the super detail, like when you have a lot of different colors. So in order to shoot it, we need it in black and white. And I don't technically need it in black and white, but – the our equipment is only going to recognize where there's color and when there's not color so there's no gradients with a blading powder coat so it's either there's paint there or there's not paint there so i can't you know ablate a certain amount to make it look like a grayscale. so it you know if if the if if is a basic rule of thumb if your logo looks good in black and white we can engrave it 100 percent and we can do super detailed work but it just has to look right in black and white right. and and okay. super the fi super fine lines obviously you're gonna get are gonna get lost to to a certain extent I mean you can you can put the line there but uh, the the depth of the powder coat like you don't you lose some of the fine detail in, in the in in that process but yeah we can do almost any logo almost any black and white logo okay and we'll do it for you know we we right now it's mostly clubs but you know I know you guys mentioned you know making the paddle and fin logo available to your listeners that's that's absolutely no problem all all we need on that end is just approval from the the owner of the licensed logo and 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 it's it's easy as going on our website and just hitting a drop down and adding it to your board oh nice so you'll keep you'll keep it as an option on the, on the website yeah it, it's that was the biggest i didn't know there was going to be so many people that were that enamored with the with the custom stuff i i thought it would just be you know kind of some of my buddies that that knew i could do it that would ask and i put a post up in january when we were struggling really with the laser but one of the small victories was we kind of figured out how to do the logos and I, and then I, I had so many requests for it that it was just a customer service nightmare because by the time you spent all this time talking to someone on the phone to figure out what they wanted, go back and forth about, oh, I got to do this with the logo. Can you give it to me in black and white? All right, we're having, you know, by the time you spent all the customer interaction time, it's like we were losing money to, to, to put the logos on there. And so I just, I told our web designer, I'm like, figure out how to implement this into the website so that, you know, as long as we get approval on the logo, anybody that wants to use it can use it. And for, for that reason, we've kind of stayed away from manufacturers. There's been some, quite a few manufacturers that have asked us to, to, you know, can we, can we get our pro staff guys with their, with the logo? And I said, it, it's fine. If you guys buy it, um, yeah. If you guys are buying them for your team, that's great. I'm like, but I don't want to have anything to do with putting someone's licensed logo for a charge on a bump board and then the legal headaches that could go with that down the road. You know, I just don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> um, one thing I did have a question. See, when I originally had seen the catch board like online, I always had thought that it was a one piece design that it was mm -hmm. bent, the aluminum was bent. What what was the thought process in making that two pieces? Because I would think in a sense that might cost, or that, having it just be bent would be less money for you guys manufacturing, you know, as, as, a far, as opposed to making it two pieces. Sure. The aluminum doesn't hold up nearly as well as PVC to, to abuse. So you could put that board, that catch board on the ground right now and jump up and down on that cradle. You won't break it. I mean, that stuff is, it's, 
I do, I do that all the time at trade shows. I'll just put one of the display units on the ground and I'm 215 pounds. So I'll jump up and down on the board and invite anybody that wants to jump up and down on it to, to, to try it out. Um, and aluminum, especially as it gets thinner, when you kind of, you have that, that curved section right at the top here. Um, if you, if you did a, a, a full extrusion, what you're going to end up is with a lot of sharp nicks. Um, yeah, on that black, on the top edge of that black surface. If it was all, I mean, if it, well, if it wasn't PVC, if it was all aluminum, the PVC will, it'll scratch, it'll ding up a little bit. But I mean, if it does, you can take a little piece of sandpaper to it and it's just far more durable. And and we thought, you know, we were, we were thinking ahead as far as like, you know, conservationists, PETA and all that stuff. You know, we just didn't want to be creating like a sharp burr on the edge of the board because someone dropped it in, you know, dropping it on asphalt or something or on a sidewalk or it hits a rock and then you get one of those deep gouges in it. We just kind of wanted to avoid that. So that was the purpose behind the two piece design. Cool. It was more expensive for sure. I could extrude that product out of aluminum much cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a quick question about what you made for the national championship. Uh, you know, we uh, kind of thought it was a trophy, but you're not even sure exactly what you kind of made uh, yeah. for the KBS National Championship. You want to go into detail about that? Yeah, it was um, – me and Chad just have a way of just exchanging favors with one another. Um, <laughs> so no money ever changes hands. It's always just like, hey, do this favor for me, and then I'll get you back later. And so <laughs> – He's he's been really, really good to me over the years, um, you know, over the last couple of years, rather, uh, since I've known him. He's just been he's been a mensch, man, just a just a just a really good dude. And I knew he wanted a I knew he wanted a trophy and he called me up one day and said, you know, I want a big trophy. And he's like, just he's like, I like what you do. He's like, it's super industrial. He's like, I want something. His exact words were, I want something industrial and ridiculous. And I said, all right. I'm like, are you sure you want ridiculous? Like, as far as I can cook up ridiculous, I can get pretty ridiculous. And he's like, all right, go, go for it. Just have at it. And I said, all right, well, if I'm doing that, there's no, like, sneak peek. There's just, hey, I'm driving it down to Louisiana, you know, March 23rd, and that, and it is what it is. You know, you're just taking it how you get it because I can't have too many cooks in the kitchen on this deal. And we got carried away, you know, I kind of – my thought process early was I wanted it to be taller than the Stanley Cup, so it's four foot tall, uh, and it's about 230 pounds of mostly aluminum and uh, polished aluminum, powder coated aluminum, you know, anodized aluminum. There's all sorts of stuff on there, and uh, like I said, I, I got carried away, but it, it, I think it turned out nice. It was a nice centerpiece, and you know, half the joke was just I told him, hey, you know, now you got to figure out how to get it home. I got it here, you know. <laughs> You go put it in the the, the 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 corporate headquarters or in your in your fishing den or wherever it goes, wherever its resting place is. But it's not my shop. <laughs> Do you think you could duplicate? You think you could duplicate it? Oh, for sure. I, it, it was all <laughs> it was all blueprinted and everything. I mean, okay. I'm I'm a, I, I'm like I can't get away from the engineering dork in me. So yeah, I mean, we actually did. There's CAD drawings of the entire thing. You know, I, I got to replace the. There's the little uh, you know the little fence parts. It's actually the old fence that we used to use on our bump board. They're just gold. That's where we put all the names on it. 
So, yeah. you know, I've got, I've got blueprints for everything in case I need to rebuild anything. I, I know, I know I'm sure I'm going to get a phone call in the next couple of months. Like, Hey, do this Duke. And yeah, I'll do it. That's uh, <laughs> that's not a bad gig to have considering uh, this could be, I mean, de- depending on how big this sport gets with KBF and the direction they're going, you're the man who created, created the trophy for the very first one at a, one of the KBF events, the early KBF events. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that was the thought. I, you know, I, I, I sold it to my business partners as, hey, we're going to build the Stanley Cup of of bass fishing. Because yeah. we just add the names to it every year, and it's kind of a tiered design, so I can just add another layer to the cake if I need to. But I think we have enough for, the like, the first six years or eight years, I think we have enough total spots to, to put – it's Angler of the Year, uh, the 10 champion, the Trail Series champion, and then um, Angler of the Year, Trail Series, and then the national champion. So there's there's actually four sides to it with with all, all those individuals engraved on it. That's on, so on cool. the, yeah. That's awesome. It was a headache. I got it done literally about an hour before I left town for Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> and I lived at the shop. I, I had been there for I think three straight days without sleep at the point when I when I left for the national championship. So um it's I guess that's a business lesson. Overcommit and just figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah. All right. Well I got another question for you. Um let's see. What what are your day-to-day responsibilities? What does that look like uh, for your role in the company? And what would you say is your favorite part about the operations at Catch? Um, well, to be honest, my day-to-day uh, has changed around here quite a bit. Um, we have a new media endeavor that we've been doing with the team. And I've actually been on the road fishing and filming our various team members fishing uh, for most of the summer. So... Um, I was fortunate enough to make a couple of really good young hires, a couple of brothers here, Marco and Jake. Um, and, and one of them, they, neither of them had any shop experience. We trained them. One of them's running the shop right now. Uh, basically one of them's the, his right hand man. And, you know, they've managed to train all the staff we have in the back. And, uh, so I'm, I'm not a back of the shop guy at all anymore. I don't do any of the production myself. I don't do I don't do any back of the shop type of stuff. I, I, I handle mostly sales and, and, and some customer service type stuff. Um, but really, really what I've been doing is, is fish, fishing and shooting videos. I know it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw the uh, teaser for Dwayne, Dwayne's video, man. Everybody's really excited and we had him on and uh, his interview went really, really well. And uh, he was talking about a lot of the uh, videos that you guys have been doing, following the catch guys around, and um, everybody across the uh, uh, the websites everywhere, Facebook, everything is just really, really excited to see what you guys have come up with, man. Yeah, you guys are going to be stoked, man. I, I I've been looking at this stuff for. We did the first video over well over a year ago when we went to the Boundary Waters in 2018. Um, and if you've ever been there, I mean, how could you not shoot a good video in the Boundary Waters? Uh, but we just we saw the potential for it. And, and, and like I said, I do a lot of different types of fishing, but the potential was really in the kayak more than anything. Um, I, I happen to prefer fishing out of a kayak, but it, it's, you know, what we found real quickly was the guys shooting fishing out of bass boats are pretty lazy. 
You know, they, they tend to they tend to put a cameraman in the bass boat. You get one pretty static angle always from a guy sitting in the in the bass boat and you just don't get the shots that you get when you're you know when we when we shoot it's it, me and my business partner Vasily um you know we're there's there's a lot of times we have two camera angles but we have we have two guys always kind of monitoring what's going on and what we can capture and uh it, it's just it has a much more cinematic feel some of it's artsy fartsy BS, but it, it, it's uh, it, it's definitely got a. What we're trying to do is is give the, the team a really professional look and a, and a bigger platform. Um, we I've scaled down our pro staff, and you know our thought is we want 25 highly supported athletes, as opposed to you know a lot of these staffs that are several hundred people that are you know discount code this or you yeah. know that I, I think that culture really kills it. Uh, it, it really, it'll, it'll eventually that culture will be the death of the, the death of competitive kayak fishing. If it stays that way, um, right. you know, you need to be able to support the athletes that are, that are competing, you know, the anglers that are competing at the highest level need to have the support so they can do it. You know, the FLW, the MLF, the BASS pros, they have that because once you get to that level, you're, you're, you have sponsorship. People are covering your travel costs. Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to step up. And one of the things that we do is when we go on the road with the catch guys, I always get a big house and like, I always cover their lodging. Uh, and you'd be surprised what, like how big a deal that is to a lot of these, like got these blue collar guys, like just having a spot to stay is the difference between going and not going. Um, right. And, and, and it's, it's a shame because if we want the sport to grow, the, the, the guys, like we really need to start supporting the, supporting the, 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 the premier guys a lot, lot better. Um, and, and, you know, like discount code pro staff kind of thing that has its place for, for guys that are doing, you know, that they're only, you know, a couple few years into their, their careers and they've never staffed for anybody. And there's like, I, I guess it has its place, but but ultimately you got we got to invest in these in these anglers because they won't they won't have time to do it. They won't have the time away from work to do it. They won't have the funds, and it's and it's tough when you think about even KBF. And I'm the biggest KBF supporter there is. Like you know, people would say I've drank the Hoover Aid, um, but you know you got to finish really third or better, or you know third or fourth or better to break even. If you're not doing also like the pro series side pot, you know, you, you got to do pretty well. Just if you're going to go out and pre-fish for a day or two, pay the tournament fees, um, you know, do all the travel expenses, all the meals in town. I mean, you really need to finish third or fourth before you're even breaking even. And like the winners are making the first and second and third, maybe making a little bit of money. But that's that's the tough. It's tough that the economics of it are tough that, you know. Even a guy like Dwayne Beatty or Dusty or Kurt Smith, you know, you know, all these guys of I it, mean, they don't win every tournament, you know, so there's that, that means you're taking a loss some weeks and, and it's, uh, it makes it hard to, to do it every week. And, and that needs to change. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kurt mentioned that when he was on the podcast about, you know, they asked him if he was going to a certain tournament and he's like, I just, he's like, honestly, man, I don't, I don't have the funds, you know, it, you've, like you said, uh, the payouts for this, you've got to do really well to just break even to cover those expenses, man. And it does it. Uh, I hope to see with the growth that we've all been seeing in the past couple of years, start to up those pots. So it does make it more, uh, more friendly for these guys. Like we all are 
a lot of us are blue collar fishermen. You know, we didn't grow. I didn't grow up with money. We didn't. I, I heck, I just started fishing. You know, six years ago, and <clears throat> the way I could get into the fishing that I liked was by kayak fishing it's affordable you know i can't afford to go out and buy that big bad you know bass boat and get out there and and do it that way you know and living in ohio man it doesn't even make sense because it'd sit in a storage somewhere for three months probably you know <laughs> but you know it's it's hopefully with the growth that we're all seeing because it it does seem to be a trend that kayak fishing is is the largest growing sector you know right now at this time in in fishing in general in the fishing industry but you know i i completely agree with you on that point man uh some things do need to change and these guys need to be invested in you know um i mean they make they make great marketing tools you know especially with the internet too now you know you've got dusty out there recording all the time and you know it's just it's it's something that does need to be addressed and hopefully some some of the other companies out there like yours is going to notice that and you know, kind of jump on board, like what you guys are doing for your guys. We've are, we've already seen it's more effective. You know, um, I've already seen increase. I've already seen increased sales. Like this is kind of an off season for us right now. Um, we will sell some walleye and musky gear. We don't have any musky gear in stock or any musky boards in stock right now, so we're not selling any of that. So we'll sell some walleye stuff, but we've been in that segment for a while, so it's you know it's slow. It's really really slow, and we see just with just a little bit of the buzz from Dwayne Beatty at the FLW Cup generated quite a few sales right after that event. And so, you know, what we're what we're hedging our bets on, um, mostly because personally it just means something to me, and I'm trying I'm trying to convince everybody that that it's the right way to do it. Is I just think that if you invest heavily in these guys. And, and they really do buy into the team environment and they buy into your team and they're, they're banging the drum about it. Like I feel like 20, I feel like 25, 30 guys and gals, we have, there's some ladies on our team um, is about the right, is about the right number. And, and we're going to show that, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather put more money into, into fewer guys and I'll get more, I'll get more RO, I'll get a better ROI on that than you know having several hundred you know discount code because discount codes are for customers you know um that that's what i tell all the guys on the team and 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 even some of the guys on our team they're still on discount code programs with some of their pro staffs and i tell them all i'm like man you know we have a tv deal now so you'll be seeing some of our, our our videos featured on midwest outdoors um and you know and and i i'm I can't name the streaming service, but I'm sure you can imagine the, the, the several streaming services in the outdoor space. You know, we're in talks with them as well with the with the media content. And, you know, I keep telling the guys like, this elevated this elevated, you know, media presence that you guys have. It's worth something, you know, make it worth something and get what you're worth. You know, that that's what it's all about. And I keep trying to drive home to them is, you know, take take your value. You know, I'm I'm just one of the guys that you're taking your value from. I'm guy giving it, uh, you know, freely. But you know, take it from the rest of these assholes. You know, sorry. Um, you know, take it from the rest of these guys. You know, because they're just so used to you know new guys new to the tournament scene. They want some logos on their on their jersey. You know, and they'll they'll they don't care. They just want the logo on their jersey. They don't even really care about the discount code. That's the crazy thing. 
Most yeah. of these guys would be pro staff without even a discount code. And, and, and I, it's, it's great. It's great that guys are eager to like embrace the culture and, and embrace the sport. But at the same time, it hurts the guys at the top because, you know, like the, these companies have taken this carpet bombing uh, method of social media where, yeah, we'd rather have a thousand guys on staff, you know, just banging the drum all the time than just having a few of them that really count. Um, right. Who knows? I, maybe, maybe in a, a year from now, I, I look like a fool. So we'll, 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 we'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> Justin, do you have any other questions, buddy? Uh, yeah, I actually have just a couple more. Did my video go out? Can you see me? Or... Yeah, we can see you. Yeah, we can You're see fine. you. Okay. Yeah, it's all froze up over here. Um, let's see. I, I want to know about the most challenging aspect of the job. Um, family time. Um, you know, I'm a, an entrepreneur, like it is married to his business and his wife. And, you know, I, I, you know, my wife, I love her and she's, she's probably more reasonable than most wives. And, and, you know, there's still that there's, it's been hard to find a, a, a family time, uh, you know, family work balance with, uh, you know, with, with catch being as busy as it is, um, I'm also partnered with Denny Ramiro of On the Water Innovations. We have a trailer company, um, and and then the media, <laughs> the, the media business. And there's something else cooking right now. And and I'm just be stupid to get into something else, but I, uh, that's just the entrepreneur in me. I just wants to tackle as much as I possibly can. But it's it. I'd say the hardest thing to balance is just having family time when you're you know trying to really get a business up and running. Uh, and then lastly, I want to know uh, what would be one long-term goal and one short-term goal for catch? Um, short-term goal, we are winning the Challenge Cup this year. Team catch, the gauntlet has been thrown down. We will win the Challenge Cup this year. Uh, long-term goal is by 2021, I want to have a uh, Netflix series that follows our team and, and all the anglers and, and – wow encompasses every every element of fishing it won't be just kayak but there'll still be a lot of kayak a lot of waiting i, I just i want to do a, a little bit of a different fishing program and i'll be honest I've, I've i've watched a bunch of fishing videos in over my years and i don't think i don't think anyone's done it real anything really interesting since river monsters and so i think the you know i think the world's ready for you know the, the they're ready for a, a bigger look at kayak fishing for sure. And I think that ends up being our conduit that gets us into a, a, a streaming deal. Netflix, Hulu, whatever. I'm not, I, I won't discriminate. Uh, anyone that wants to give us a good, uh, you know, a big old budget and a, and, a, and a good deal on a streaming platform, just give me a call. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think we're headed in that direction. Uh, I think the, the industry is ready for it. And I, I think it's going to be televised in the next 10 years. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah. All right, Josh, you got anything else? Nope. I think I'm all set. Duke, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to speak with us today, man. It was a great interview and, um, I'm heading actually up in your area here, Labor Day weekend to meet up with Brian. If you have any interest in kind of meeting up with us, maybe doing a little bit of fishing one of those days, it'd be awesome to have you out, man. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll contact Schiller. I got uh, I'm trying to do a shoot with Midwest Outdoors for for Dusty. So 
Uh, I'm not sure which day that's going to be. I've actually, if you see me like semi-distracted trying to text, it's because Vasily, the videographer, and Dusty have been messaging me right now. So I, once I get that figured out, but no, I love to, man. I, I love meeting. I love meeting new characters out on the water. It's certainly a lot more uh, personal. You know, it's a, it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more fun doing it uh, on the water than it is over the over the internet, right? Yeah, for sure. But thank you, thank you again for taking the time, man. And like we said too, man, you're making a killer product. I wish your guys' business all luck in the world, man. And you guys keep moving forward. And can't wait to see what else you guys come out with, man. It'll be exciting, exciting things for your company. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks thank for having me. Thank you very me much. On. Uh, real quick, I'm going to give a shout out to our uh, show sponsors. We got Rocktown Paddle Sports, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Coyote Sunglasses, Fish Mob Lures, Southern Lake Co., Michigan, Ohio Kayak Anglers. Uh, don't forget to send your damaged plastics to Eric at Hammered Lures so he can melt them down and make new baits for Heroes on the Water. Josh, you got any last things to throw in there? Um, just, uh, if you guys want to kind of check out our website, you can reach it www.paddle, uh, the letter N and fin.com. Um, also if you have any questions or requests, maybe for episodes, maybe by you guys would like your interviews on or products to be reviewed, you know, check it out. Uh, our email is, uh, paddle, the letter N fin at gmail.com. Um, you can reach us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram at paddle and fin basically. Um, and, uh, you know, that's about it. Uh, did you want to put in the uh, shout outs out there? Uh, Duke, anything you want to catch? Well, you know, th just thank you guys. Uh, uh, Brian, sorry for ducking you for the last <laughs> six or seven months. Um, you know, I'm glad to kind of check it off the list. I, I, I am a listener. I listen to almost every damn episode you guys do. So, uh, you're doing you're doing good work. Uh, I, I love the I love the tournament recaps. I love all the little segments that you guys are coming up with, adding new characters to the show. Man, it's awesome. Uh, it's not different than what we're doing with the video. It's just you know telling the stories a little bit and you know hey shout out to you guys, man. I'm not I don't need to plug the company, man. If if they're looking for bump boards, you know where to find me. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time tonight, man, and you take care. Appreciate it, guys. Take care.